Hey folks, this is Doc here, welcoming you back to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. Listen if you can. Subscribe if I let you. I I let all of you. Please subscribe. I'm bringing you today a little treat. Uh, this is a bonus episode. Full episodes are every other week, so of course we don't have one of those until early next week, but I thought we'll keep the content drip running uh, here and do some match reviews from matches I've seen over the past few weeks. This week, these are all reviews of matches I think that you should see. They are all three a little bit under the radar, under-discussed, you know, not necessarily in promotions that are under the radar, but the matches themselves, I think, deserve a little bit more due than they are getting. So here we go. First match is from New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is from the G1, a tournament that few people, I think, are very excited about. And we discussed this, DJM and I, last week. You know, we talked about how the promotion felt cold, how people weren't really into it. The promotion is definitely at a low point, and I think that there are some issues you know, with Dick Togo, of course, <laughs> getting more and more booking power. And certainly, like, the pandemic and the, you know, everything surrounding that, like what fans are not able to do and kind of how that disrupts the atmosphere. But I think that these are all, like, really solvable problems. And I think the promotion easily, easily has the ability to become red hot again. When, you know, <laughs> I say when, maybe if is the better word there, but but we'll be optimistic and say when the pandemic is over and things go return to some semblance of normalcy, at least in terms of the professional wrestling experience, right? I think once travel opens up and once fans can make noise, I think New Japan has every chance in the world to like rise back to the the prominent position in fans' minds that that it once had. If for no other reason than like the matches that they can put on are still incredible. And I think once the other stuff gets righted, you'll be able to feel more of that emotional investment that you once did. This match that I'm gonna talk about here from September 23rd, match day three, is a prime example of this. It's Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishii. And I think this match is fantastic. I think that the fact that this match is not really being talked about is, well, it's surrounded by better matches. You know, it's a great match, but it has been surrounded by, you know, a few other really i think great great matches that's one thing right it's a little overshadowed but also i think we take these two performers for granted you know tomohiro ishii is the wrestler of his generation not talking about titles not talking about drawing ability just in terms of in-ring work even the man just has the highest floor in in the company like bar none i'll just say it <laughs> i just think he's incredible and 
you know, I don't know if he'll ever get into the Meltzer Hall of Fame because he doesn't really have like the other aspects that that you kind of need uh, for a lot of people to vote for you. But I mean, I just think his in ring is is just he's peerless when it comes to that, and Ibushi is not that far behind. So the story of this match coming in, you know, this is uh, match two for both of these guys. Ibu has lost to Yujiro Takahashi, the lowest of the low. Yujiro <laughs> uh, is wrestling a, a you know fine tournament for his standards, but but Ibushi is clearly not himself. He's clearly been uh, affected by his bout with uh, pneumonia, which saw him on the shelf for a couple months. Ishii is playing that kind of rival figure that is not content to just beat his rival. I think if he had approached this match in a certain kind of way, he could have beat Ibushi. But I think the story here is that he wants to bring Ibu back to his best. He wants to face the best version of Kota Ibushi. And that's just the kind of combatant that Tomohiro Ishii is. That's why we love him. This match begins with Ishii just chopping Ibushi over and over and over, sort of reducing him to a crumpled mass on the mat, um, chest red. <laughs> and even while he's laying there, Ishii continues to chop him <laughs> like he's just sitting on the floor kind of laying and, and Ishii is bending over to chop him in the chest. Um, and he continues to chop him through kind of Ibu's like standing up. At some point during this, Ishii sort of wakes him, right? He wakes Ibushi up and there's like a frenzy of palm strikes from both guys. And, you know, Kevin Kelly, the English commentator is saying like, oh, well, someone could easily get knocked out here. And they're, they're just, palms are flying. Uh, but eventually Ibushi's speed kind of wins out. He lands a number of palm strikes. Later on, Ishii does this vicious backdrop suplex, and Abushi lands right on his head. Then he does like a pounce, <laughs> just it's not a Monty Brown pounce because he's not coming off of a, a an, his path is not intersecting Abushi's. He just runs straight into him and pounces him, and Abushi is launched for like a full backflip. <laughs> it's just really fantastic he's really taken it to ibu who despite waking up i mean just looks you know he just doesn't have it here ishii does this his always impressive like delayed suplex from the second rope it always looks incredibly dangerous <laughs> but he's always in control there's like a slick counter wrestling sequence ibushi tries to power bomb ishii ishii uh kind of gets out of it there's a mid-kick, enziguri, moonsault, sliding lariat uh, exchange between the guys and, and dodging, countering. And finally, Ibushi, it's like a falling roundhouse. It's not like the fastest sequence, you know, it's no sort of like Jay White Ibushi counter sequence. But uh, it's cool nonetheless, right? Um, and then both men are just kind of lying there after all this. They're really going at a at quite a pace, and as I said, Ibushi 
doesn't look like he's fully at the races. Ishii, while he's lying there, begins to kick Ibushi's head. <laughs> Both of them are prone on the mat, but Ibu just kind of kicks over to the side. Or rather, sorry, Ishii kicks over to the side of Ibu's head. And then <laughs> this, uh, I think, flips the switch. Ibu sits up, looking incredulous. He starts <laughs> returning those kicks uh, and kicking Ishii's head. And then they trade really hard strikes, kicks and, and uh, chops. At some point, <laughs> Ishii does this rising headbutt. <laughs> it's like like a, a large salmon <laughs> bursting forth from the surface of the river. And it's just really amazing. Um, totally knocks Ibu out of it. Uh, later on in the match, Ibushi gives a round kick to Ishii's head. He looks totally exhausted. He collapses after it. Ishii should have dodged the round kick, but like he's also spent at this point, so he goes down. And then they enter the finishing stretch. Um, Ibushi goes for the Kamigoe. Ishii blocks it, does a headbutt, attempts to turn that into his finisher, but Ibushi does not let himself be brain busted. You know, he hops down from it, knees Ishii in the face. Then, since he's stunned, he's uh, Ibushi's able to give him the Kamigoe. And that's it. I went four and a quarter Melter Stars here. This match was incredibly physical, as you'd expect from these two. They really sold their exhaustion really, really well. Um, I don't know if this one lives up to like the 2018 G1 match between these two and the B block. That was the first G1 I watched in real time. So it kind of holds a... Uh, a special place for me, particularly the B block. The A block was kind of, kind of, you know, a little junk, <laughs> but, but the B block was amazing. That match, I believe, had Ibushi doing a moonsault from a balcony onto Ishii. Of course, last year's match between these two was great as well, but this one, I think, uh, is, if I remember correctly, I, I want to say this one is pretty much on the level with that one. And, you know, in, in terms of storyline, it, it fits in quite well here as part of Ibushi's arc of recovery, kind of coming back to his best in this tournament. And Ishii plays the perfect foil here to push Ibu back towards something like his best. We're going to hop over to Ring of Honor for our next match. It is from September 13th, 2021. TV episode 521. It is Bandito. And Ray Horace versus the Briscoes. Bandito, of course, recently crowned Ring of Honor champion. And this match was, I mean, probably you could picture it in your head, I think. I mean, it was just an incredibly fun match with a lot of really cool spots. Bandito and Jay, right at the beginning, have this really fast fluid exchange with, you know, Huracan Ranas, like handsprings, backflips. Shortly after, like, Bandito actually like throws Ray Horace, who kind of climbs up him. He throws Horace into a head scissor takeover of a Briscoe. That spot's a lot of fun. There was like a Briscoe heat segment in this match, but you know, they tried to slow the pace down. That doesn't really last too long. Like it gives way to pretty fast action fairly quickly. The Briscoe's still hit hard though. 
Um, that was something I took away from this match. They aren't what they used to be, of course. Uh, they've been doing this a, a really long time. But I think they're still in pretty decent form. They still hit hard. Everyone hit hard in this match. But a couple more cool spots to mention. There's like a really sick tornado plancha uh, from Bandito. He does a, a really nice Fosbury flop. Horus even does like a like a Casadora driver from the top rope. It was like sick. I thought that might be the finish. But um, the Briscoes are able to isolate him and deliver the Doomsday device for the win. I thought this match, again, I think this is just a really good advertisement for Ring of Honor television. A few years ago, ROH TV was in a bad way. It was really bad promo segments. You know, maybe a match. Uh, and and the, the talent they featured just wasn't great. They've really, I think, since they've returned uh, from from being off for so long for the pandemic, their presentation is, is of course forced to be different. But in a lot of ways, like it's it was kind of a soft reset for them, and they're able to now put on uh, TV that I think uh, is is pretty enjoyable. You know, hour of wrestling television. You get two to three matches like this that uh, have, you know, a, a really, you know, nice level of quality, good talent, um, progressing uh, simple stories. Bandito, phenomenal. You know, anytime you get to see him wrestle, I think, is usually quite a treat. Like I said, the Briscoes are still in form. Horace can be hit or miss, uh, you know, depending on where he's wrestling and who. You know, you see him in a lot of different places and sometimes he just disappears and doesn't really offer anything. But here, I think, you know, he was in there with three other really talented guys and he did his part. This for me was uh, almost, I mean, it was creeping toward four stars. Ultimately, I gave it three and three quarter Melser stars, but I just wanted to put this match in here because... You know, it's not too long. I think it's, I think it's under ten minutes, but w- worth seeing. Just if if you want to see a nice, you know, fun match with these guys, and you want to see what Ring of Honor television in 2021 looks like when it's going, you know, at its best. This is not like a pay per view quality match, but as far as TV tags go, uh, this is quite good. I'm gonna hop over to Rev Pro for the high stakes show. On September 19th, 2021, Aussie Open versus Destination Everywhere. If you don't know Destination Everywhere, that's Michael Oku and Connor Mills. That's what they're calling themselves. They are the undisputed British tag champs, the Ref Pro tag champs. And Aussie Open have the Pro Wrestling Australia tag titles. And this is a winner-take-all title versus title match. Before this, uh, I think... There were singles matches between, you know, they, they paired off for singles matches and it was uh, one for each team. So, you know, we really don't know, I guess, at this point uh, who is favored. But Aussie Open have a distinct size and strength advantage. And let me just say, by the way, up front that the crowd at the beginning of this are hot for Aussie Open. They are super excited to have them back in your call in RevPro. Uh, commentary team, uh, excited to have them back. 
this is a, a return uh, for them from, I guess, being out of British wrestling during the pandemic. What a match this is. <laughs> this is a really excellent match. Gosh, uh, where to begin? So uh, destination everywhere, avoid trouble, and they're able to establish control early uh, through their speed and double team maneuvers. But it's not too long before Aussie Open, the, as I said, bigger, stronger men assert themselves. They throw destination everywhere around the ring. They stretch them out, kick them in. But, you know, Destination Everywhere are able to pull off these really slick successive moonsaults uh, onto one of the Aussie Opens, and they're sort of starting to get control back, right? And then they try to do these stereo topes onto Aussie Open, but they're both caught in midair, and basically, like the end like to do, are, are powerbombed into each other's backs, Destination Everywhere. So Mills and Oku get slapped back to back, thrown into each other by Aussie Open. Have I mentioned Aussie Open are huge? Because <laughs> well, we all know Mark Davis uh, is is a big a big unit. But if you haven't seen Kyle Fletcher since before the pandemic, he, as Kevin Kelly would say, has got his man muscles now. He has filled out. Uh, he has become a big lad. Still very young, so it's unsurprising. I mean. When they were breaking into the scene, you know, he was 18, 19 years old. I mean, I remember he was a noodly kid getting chopped to death by Jay White at like a, a Rev Pro New Japan joint show. But now he is he's quite a big lad. It's just a beefy team, Aussie Open. So after that, you know, double powerbomb business, Aussie Open beat the shit out of Michael Oak. <laughs> like he is bleeding from the mouth. And just gets the crap kicked out of him. At some point, Mills hops into the ring. And there's some really nice strike exchanges between he and Kyle Fletcher. I think Mills is actually training for a mixed martial arts fight. So he's uh, got designs on being a legit fighter. And, uh, you know, his his work strikes uh, are looking pretty good. I, I should mention Oku has gone up in my estimation over... Uh, you know, the, the last few months since Ref Pros restarted, I, I like him. I've liked him more and more, but I have not enjoyed the Connor Mills. Oh, I thought he was the weak link in this team. Never really cared for his stuff. He steps up in a huge way in this match. Honestly, like I said, those strike exchanges with Fletcher are really nice. He's not the legal man at that point, so he can't exactly rescue ok- Oku ultimately. But eventually he does get the hot tag. And during this hot tag, he almost blows a spot. He's trying to do like to hop off the bottom rope up onto the middle rope to do a moonsault. Then he slips on the bottom rope. Honestly, it was, again, a beautiful recovery by Mills and a pretty good awareness by Fletcher. Instead of hitting the moonsault in stride, like I think that they kind of... Uh, worked around it on the fly and because Mills took an extra beat to perform the move Fletcher ran under it and was able to to dodge it afterwards Mills does like I can I can only describe it as a split-legged moonsault his his legs are not actually split but you know this the split-legged moonsault deal where like someone will be standing on the top rope 
and then kind of sit down and kind of bounce off of that rope into a moonsault. So Mills does this, but onto the outside of the ring, onto onto Mark Davis. And then there's a there's a big lariat after uh, on his part onto Fletcher. After getting super kicked, <laughs> he bounces back, does a lariat. There's a near fall. This is begins the near fall sequences. There is a really disgusting brain buster <laughs> executed by Fletcher. Fletcher just Fletcher had no mercy on Connor Mills in this match. Just gives him a nasty brain buster for a near fall. There's like I don't know what this is called. There's an incredibly vicious double team on the part of Aussie Open. Like Davis has one of destination everywhere. He has him in a sort of stampede oh, power slam position and he's kind of spinning around and Kyle Fletcher jumps off the top rope and Davis just passes the guy off of his shoulder to the hands of Fletcher who performs an ace crusher it's really really awesome there's a near fall there the most nasty snake eyes I've ever seen <laughs> delivered to Connor Mills via Kyle Fletcher it just looked horrible <laughs> it looks so brutal um, Oku finally gets the hot tag and uh, comes in to wrestle Davis. And these sequences are really, really great. Like he's valiantly trying to bring down Davis. They're telling his story all throughout the match, kind of different sections of it. Like in the beginning, Oku has no chance of bringing down Davis. Here, um, he gets a little bit closer. And then as the match you know, goes on, He'll finally, eventually bring him down after he exhausts Davis throughout the course of this really long match. Oku withstands a ton of punishment after uh, unsuccessfully trying to bring down Davis. He does escape the fidget spinner. At this point, there is a mad scramble. Everyone is delivering kicks to each other. <laughs> um, all four guys are throwing bombs, hitting big moves. And then what could be in a match with some incredible spots the best spot in the entire match. So Kyle Fletcher has Connor Mills on his shoulder. He tosses him into the air. I'm not exactly sure what. I think I guess he was going to catch him and suplex him or catch him and power slam him. But he tosses him into the air for, for this move. Mills moves his body in midair and performs a poison rana onto Kyle Fletcher. And it's incredible. <laughs> the commentary team lose their shit. The crowd loses it. All four men are down. Destination Everywhere at this point are out, on, are out on their feet. Aussie open, pretty tired. You see the crowd connection of Oku really come into play here. And like I said at the beginning that the crowd was really kind of in the corner of Aussie open. But man, Destination Everywhere really wins them over. You know, they don't turn on Aussie open, but DE definitely get the crowd pulling for them as as underdogs believing in them that they can do it you know after withstanding all this punishment and they come really close here like you know Oku's so fiery he's got no quit in him he withstands these huge chops from from davis and this is the point in the match where he does actually bring davis to one knee through elbow strikes finally he performs a beautiful fall, uh, frog splash there's a the near fall from that he and Connor Mills then both do two more frog splashes onto Davis to set up his half Boston Crab, uh, Oku's half Boston Crab. Fletcher comes to the rescue. And then the near fall of the match that actually got me, 
they do Aussie Open to do these like double team blackout where uh, Fletcher like pushes up uh, the legs uh, of the victim who uh, then gets put into the blackout by Mark Davis. And that near fall really got me. But that leads directly into the fidget spinner for Aussie Opens when I'm exhausted just reliving the match. I mean, this is a must-see tag match uh, for this year if you want to like feel like you have uh, a, a handle on the good tag team wrestling that has happened this year. And this stands up to basically all the great AEW stuff from the year, from the Bucks, from Santana and Ortiz, and from the Lucha Brothers. I mean, this belongs in the conversation. This may even be sort of top all of that. You know, I guess it depends some somewhat on preference. This was just a fantastic match in terms of crowd connection, getting them to buy in, in terms of the the technique, the moves, uh, the athleticism of all the guys. They were really worked so hard. They gave everything the whole time. From a storytelling point of view, it was extremely well done. And uh, Oku and Mills really showed me something. My opinion of Oku was already fairly high, but I think even more of him now, this this improves his standing in my eyes. And I mean, Connor Mills, I had no use for Connor Mills before this. And he, I mean, this is just a revelation. <laughs> this was a revelation uh, for him. And uh, storyline-wise, after the match, of course, Aussie Open wanted to shake Destination Everywhere's hands. Uh, Oku was pretty devastated after you could really see him wearing the disappointment on his face. and But he wanted to shake their hands, but Mills would not let him. I have not kept up super much with Rev Pro since the early epic encounters. Like, I think I saw the first five epic encounters that they did in their, um, their fan-free warehouse. I know that at some point Oku and Mills were heels, but it looks like that's not exactly the case. And yet... Mills still appears to be kind of pushing Oku in a heelish direction. You know, a little bit of a bad apple here, if you will, refusing to let Oku engage in, in sportsmanship. Very interesting, right? But if you if you want to see where that goes, of course, you will have to tune in to the Rev Pro. That's going to do it for this bite-sized edition of the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this bonus episode. I hope it tides you over until... DJM and I reunite for a full episode, which will drop next week. Until then, take care, guys. Peace.